We want to greet you tonight with a a verse from Psalm 119, a well-known verse and uh, uh, an encouragement to us. And it simply says, your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp to my path. That's why we come together and do Bible study, because we want to know something of the light of God, uh, because so easily we walk in darkness, walk in ways that are contrary to that which is pleasing to the Lord. And so thank you for joining us tonight as we share together back uh, tonight again in uh, the book of 1 John. And uh, just looking forward to this time that we can spend together uh, as God equips us uh, in the life that we live and the challenges that we face. So let's bow together in a word of prayer and then uh, we'll proceed with the reading of the scriptures. Lord, indeed, thank you for that wonderful insight, the, the truth that your word is indeed a light in our path and a lamp to our feet, that you guide, that you direct, that you do not leave us in darkness or ignorance, but that we can know the blessing of your sure and unchanging word. And so help us tonight as we turn to the scriptures, uh, that we meditate on it, that we understand it, that we apply it, Lord, that we have courage to walk in your ways. We do also, Lord, just want to be consciously aware of your Holy Spirit uh, being our teacher and opening the eyes of faith, opening the ears of understanding. And so we commit this time to you. We commit each other to you, Lord, as we uh, face uh, the daily challenges, the daily blessings of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at the first six verses. Again, it's a fairly well-known passage, uh, certainly a passage that we want to be aware of, that we want to understand, that we want to apply in uh, the everyday living of our lives. So John writes, and, and again, using that term of endearment, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Such an important passage, a useful passage in Uh, the regular discernment that is needed in the course of our walk of faith in the pilgrimage that we have as believers. Well, I want to begin and introduce this topic tonight by just thinking back over the past, and I'm sure you can identify with these kind of experiences, but it would be true to say that over the past years and uh, that, that I've been involved in denominational exposure and work, I have seen, and others have seen this as well, supposedly stable churches, 
churches that have been apparently healthy and probably were healthy, getting to a place where there is division, there's conflict, and the church ends up splitting. This kind of thing is always sad. I have no doubt in my mind that when churches have conflict, when churches split, that this grieves the Spirit of God. This is not pleasing to God. Now, in some instances, I have been uh, familiar with a particular church that has gone through this kind of experience. And also, uh, knowing people on both sides of the divide. Those who stay and, and those who go. I've discovered, and this is normally the case, both sides believe they are right. Both sides claim to be ambassadors of the truth. They are both convinced that they are being led by the Holy Spirit. Now we need to pause there because it's been two weeks since we looked at the last study. But if you look at the last verse of chapter 3, you will find there, or hope you will remember that we Christians have assurance. There's a certain assurance that we experience and that assurance depends on the indwelling uh, presence and witness of the Holy Spirit. And the, the verse uh, read this uh, like this, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And then he says this, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit that he has given us. Now, therein lies an awkward problem. When we are dealing with people having been in the same church, now having moved in different directions, both claiming to be led by the Spirit, an awkward problem. Who, who is right and, and who is wrong? And so, and so the question, a very important practical question, is how do you deal with the fact that both sides in a church are equally keen to appeal to the witness of the Spirit to support their different teaching. Well, we go back to John's day, and we find that he had to deal with the very same issue. And I think it's an issue that churches uh, down through the ages have had to contend with. But back in John's day, there were those who had left the established church, and they were promoting a superior type of Christianity. You will remember we identified this group as, as Gnostics. Uh, they believed that they had gained certain superior knowledge and were at, higher, at a higher spiritual level than those who would remain behind. That can be the case today. Normally, either those who stay or those that go normally are saying that they're in a better place. Uh, spiritually more mature or spiritually at a higher level and therefore the same challenge can apply. So what do you do? What do you do in a context where there are those who leave the church because of a particular experience they've had, a particular doctrine they've taken in and they've left? How do we discern? How do we know that this or, or that is in fact what is pleasing to God and what is right in the eyes of of God. What do you do? What do we do when professing Christians share conflicting messages 
claiming that they both have heard from God. And in fact, it's a very real issue in our context, in the broader context of our society, sometimes even in the media. You know, what do you do about the so many so-called prophets, many, many men, women, calling themselves prophets and prophetesses, calling themselves miracle workers who claim that they have authority from God? And, and, and who do you believe? How do you believe who is right? Now you have two options. There are two options that we can uh, certainly uh, consider. Uh, the one is simply to be gullible. Just believe everything you hear. Uh, everything that someone or a group of people may be saying. And, and perhaps even in, in your own context, in your own circles. Uh, accept it with, without checking, with, without discerning, without dividing what is uh, the truth and, and what is the error. So that is certainly the one option. We can be gullible. Any one of us can be gullible. And we simply swallow everything that we hear hook, line and sinker. Or the point of this passage tonight is the other option. And that is to be discerning. And there is a way to be discerning. Discernment is, is so crucial, so important. And we'll see that again tonight. Be discerning. And, and, and to be discerning, we can, we can learn from John and we can follow what God says through John so that we can be better discerners of the truth. And so John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Wow, what a lesson that we need to learn in 2022 don't just be gullible. Don't just swallow everything. Uh, uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because, and he gives a reason, this is the reason you ought to do it, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now I need to just add uh, an additional comment here that relates to the particular philosophical era and the philosophical influence that comes in our direction in the particular day that we live. So if we look at verse 1, it seems simple enough to do this. Be discerning. Test the spirits. They're false prophets and, and they are true prophets. But we're living in a day where people are skeptical about a single truth. We're living in a day, and I've used this uh, terminology before, known as postmodernism. And postmodernism promotes uh, truth according to somebody's perception. So your truth may be different to my truth. But according to your truth, you can be right. And, and, and according to my truth, I can be right. And, and we can be in, in different places. And, and so there's this subjectivity that pervades postmodernism. And there's a skepticism about uh, absolute truth. There's an unwillingness to say, yes, there is something that is right. And there's something that is wrong. There, there, there is the reality of truth. And there's also the reality of of, of error. And so our generation, the postmodern generation, people generally speaking prefer to, and I want to quote an author by the name of Cook, he says, our, our generation prefers to promote personal interpretation. You have your view and, and I'll have my view. Getting too excited and knocking the microphone all over the place. I'm sorry for that. 
you have your views and, and I have my views and, 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 and it doesn't matter that they uh, are different. So postmodernism maintains, this is another author by the name of Johnson, maintains a person uh, can really only say, according to my perception, that is true. Now I want to urge you tonight, resist the temptation to even think that postmodernism has any kind of uh, truth to offer. Resist the temptation to accept this error. Instead, we do need to go to the scriptures that reveal absolute truth to us. It is necessary for us to reinforce what John is saying in this passage. And, 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 and my very first point tonight, there are other spirits active in this world. And the first point tonight is not every spirit is from God. Over the course of my years in ministry, uh, there have been those who have come and sought to promote alternative views, even at Central Baptist Church. We need to recognize that simply because somebody has experienced something, we don't know where that something comes from, doesn't automatically make it valid. And so because not every spirit is from God, is what John tells us, what God is telling us through the Apostle John, we need to be very aware, and we've been hearing a lot of this even last Sunday's morning sermon, uh, there are false prophets and there are true prophets. And even to pause on that word prophet, because a prophet is somebody who is claiming to speak on behalf of God, to be the voice of God, foretelling something about the future, but also foretelling, proclaiming the truth from God. And there are those who do so, but not on behalf of God. And there are those who do do so on behalf of God. We find Jesus repeatedly warning his disciples. And again, just some examples. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. Don't be gullible. Perhaps Jesus could have said that to his disciples. They come to you, these false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they're like snakes. Smooth, slippery, suave, convincing. But inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. Or again, Jesus in Matthew 24, 11, And many false prophets will appear, and here's the boring part, and deceive many people. Not few people, many people. Verse 24, Matthew 24, false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So with that happening, again, we need to turn to this passage and say, now, how can we discern truth from error, the legitimate from the illegitimate? Serious matter, so serious that the Apostle Peter also warned the scattered churches, scattered Christians in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly enter. Did you see this again? I think the word is surreptitious. And if you don't know what the word surreptitious means, they skill them. 
They come in and undermine. They come in and do damage. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. How does that translate into our day? We too are in a serious position of possible deception. In our city, in our church, I've regularly said over the years, be discerning regarding that which is taught from our pulpit. Don't accept everything. Test the spirits. I was very surprised when we started the Hill Campus and I was exploring the area around uh, Ajax Street uh, to discover how many of the cults are established in the area. Now, cults are easy to identify because we know that they uh, uh, teach error. But there's just down the road from the hill, there's a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall. Around the corner, there's a Mormon, uh, I don't know what they call it, a Mormon chapel. Uh, every flavor you will find in the east of Pretoria. Uh, people have property, they have resources, they have beautiful buildings, they have manicured gardens. They are leading many people astray. People are pumping their money into those setups, believing that they have the truth. Are they testing the spirits? And then, of course, we have an added problem coming into our homes. And so often we can't even control this. Every flavor of teaching access to your and my home through the television. Switching to some of these channels, uh, Christian channels, hoping to uh, be exposed to, to true biblical truth. And, and you again will find all sorts of slick and smooth and suave men and women teaching but are they teaching the truth? Test the spirits. Internet downloads. We can go to Google and we can go to YouTube and, and, and we can find anything under the sun and, and, and so many different opinions. Who of them are, would be right? Who is wrong? Test the spirits. I think also in our day it would be true to say that religion is capitalized very powerfully on marketing techniques. Uh, because of the commercial interest, because of money that can be made from well-meaning Christians. People who want to read a good Christian book, uh, people who want to watch a particular movie, and, and, and they will simply go and, 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 and go to a Christian bookshop or, or a bookshop that claims to be a Christian bookshop, and, and there you will find a John Piper book next to a Benny Hinn book, and, and, and they're saying the opposite truth. Test the spirits. Who is right? And so the strong and the clear message from God, sending it through John in this particular passage, dear friends, not every spirit is from God. You and I can so easily be deceived, becoming easy prey to hungry wolves. But you don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be deceived. And so my second point tonight, you can recognize those who are from God. There's, there's, there's a way to... Uh, in which we can be discerning. Well, contrary to the spirit of our age, uh, that certainly does promote pluralistic or pluralism, an acceptance of all beliefs, a, a toleration of all beliefs. 
God requires us to distinguish, to discern between right and wrong, between that which is true and that which is false. And I would even suggest to you tonight, not more than suggest, I would urge, I would impress upon your hearts that there is an urgent need for discernment among us Christians today. Let us not be gullible. Let's not jump to conclusions and uh, be ready to credit messages and teaching as true from God and we haven't tested them. There's such a thing as a misguided or as misguided tolerance. I quote John Stott over here and, 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 and I think he has it right. He said, we need to preserve the biblical balance, avoiding on the one hand the extreme superstition which believes everything. Somebody comes to you, oh, God said this to me, or somebody comes to you, oh, we've heard this teaching and it's from God, and you just accept it, you accept it, you accept it. That's kind of superstition. It must be from God because they say it's from God. Now, John Stott and, and John Stott is right. No, don't be superstitious believing everything is from God. But he goes on. On the other hand, don't be guilty of extreme suspicion which believes nothing. There is truth to be believed. Well, having given the command to test and the need to test, John now tells us how to recognize the Spirit of God. And I'm going to uh, look at what I've called the first way uh, to recognize the Spirit of God. Now I'm going to say something, and at the end only, Jamie, if you'd only go to the next slide at the end of the point. So, So this is the first way that John tells us. Of course, if we look at other passages in the Bible, there are other ways. We're going to look at two ways that, are, that, that come to us in this particular part of the Bible. So very clearly in John 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, he says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. And then he tells us, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, we must be careful that we don't just take a superficial reading of this verse and say, well, if somebody just mentions the name of Jesus, that means this must be from God or uh, it must be truth about God. No, the verse is saying much, much more Uh, One has to double-click, I think is the modern way of saying, on the word Jesus. One has to interrogate that word and say, what what is the content? What is is behind? What what are they saying about Jesus in uh, their particular teaching? So this is more than just a recognition or acknowledgement of the identity of a person, Jesus, who happened to live 2,000 years ago. It is a profession of faith in him. And I want to quote an author, an old author by the name of Westcott. He says, uh, it's a profession that openly and boldly professes Jesus as the incarnate Lord. That's what John also says, come in the flesh, which was a response to the Gnostics of the day. Those Gnostics, those who were anti-Christ, made Jesus out to be a mere man. That for a particular season, they said, they taught he was invested with divine power for his years of public ministry. So, in essence, they denied the incarnation. John goes on. 
Chapter 4, verse 3, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now in the world. Or if we go back to chapter 2, verse 22, Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. And, and, and so we need to be testing the spirits by examining what it is that people teach about the person of Jesus. And the, and, and the crucial, the absolutely crucial teaching. There can be no latitude, there can be no compromise on the doctrine of the full divinity of Jesus. Acknowledging that Jesus has come in the flesh has a domino effect. It, is a, it has a knock-on effect onto all crucial primary doctrines that we simply cannot uh, mess with. The virgin birth, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus being fully God and fully man. His deity. If we deny that Jesus came in the flesh, in the reality of the virgin birth, we cannot speak about his deity. We cannot speak about the eternal nature of the Son if he was a mere man for a season. We cannot speak about sinless perfection if he was a man and, and was not conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then that is a knock-on effect is that the atoning work of Jesus would simply not be sufficient. The, the sacrifice would not be adequate in appeasing or being propitious towards the wrath of God. And so it undermines the substitutionary atonement if we tamper with anything to do with the nature of Jesus in him being God in the flesh. By messing with the incarnation, other vital doctrines are invalidated. And you know what? That's what the liberals have done. It's exactly what they've done. They, they deny the miraculous. They deny the virgin birth of Jesus and therefore end up denying all the important doctrines and therefore in reality, reality they deny who Jesus is and they are anti-Christ. If we go back to the Old Testament and I got this from an author, uh, Dodd, and uh, he said, think about the fundamental doctrine of Judaism. What was the fundamental doctrine of Judaism? And we do find this in Deuteronomy 13. It's one of the places. The fundamental doctrine of Judaism is monotheism. The worship of God alone. That God is one. Anything that contradicted that truth was considered to be opposed to God, accepted as error. So if we fast forward to the New Testament and we consider what the fundamental doctrine of Christianity is, it is the incarnation of Jesus, God in the flesh. And so whatever anybody says, how eloquently they may say it, how convincingly they may say it. They may even demonstrate it by so-called miracles uh, and wonders around them. If they deny the reality of the incarnation, 
They simply, we cannot accept what they say as true, as truth or true prophecy. And so in Christianity, the incarnate Christ is central. Jesus in the flesh. And by the way, this confirms what we taught regarding the Holy Spirit, who always honors the Son. Jesus taught that it is the Holy Spirit's particular ministry to testify to him and to glorify him. Just some examples. John 15 verse 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself. It draws attention to Jesus, the incarnation, the, the person of Jesus. John chapter 16. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will bring glory to me says Jesus, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And so, practically, what, what is it that we look for in a church? What is it that we look for in a movement? We, we look for that uh, evidence, clear evidence of the centrality and exaltation of Jesus come in the flesh. Otherwise, we run like blazes. Any teaching that denies his eternal divinity or his historical humanity simply should not be tolerated. F.F. Bruce says, no matter how charming, how plausible, how eloquent the prophets in question may be, the test of their witness to Christ and his truth is the test by which they must be judged. And so my slide, Jamie can put my slide up now. How do you recognize the Spirit of God? What is the first way in which you can do that? You ask the question. Is there an open and bold belief that Jesus is God in the flesh and central in worship? There's a second way to recognize the Spirit of God. Seems like lately I've been trying to point to pronouns when we interpret a particular passage. Well, if you look at verses 4 to 6, you're going to find a whole bunch of pronouns, uh, again, revealing three categories of people. There is in verse 4, you, those are the people being addressed. There is they, those are the ones who have left, verse 5. And there's we, and I want to get to who the we is in verse 6. So we start in verse 4, you, you dear children, are from God and have overcome them. So what's he saying? He's saying, well, you, you're the ones who have resisted the teaching of the false teachers by remaining in the church you have not fallen for their fabrications and their lies, and you've not been deceived by the false prophets. So much, so much of that goes down in our day. Where people are so easily deceived. I remember when I first started in the ministry at Scottsville Baptist Church, there were those who were twisting my arm and twisting my arm and twisting my arm to accept the Toronto blessing. It was a lot of rubbish. When we started asking questions about those who were promoting the Toronto blessing as to whether there is in fact a focus on Jesus and, and the teaching of it in the Bible, the conversation closed. And there have been others down, the road, down along the way. The emerging church, again, wanting to, to dilute the, 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 the centrality of, of the person of Jesus, the his, his historical truth of, of who he is and his, his, his birth, the incarnation, his life, his, and, and, and his death and his resurrection. 
We refused it. Must refuse it. These are the people that stayed. And perhaps I could even add a word. There are those Christians today, very sadly, who are falling, uh, almost tripping over each other in the woke movement and denying Christ alone as the, as the gospel and the solution to man's lostness and woman's lostness. Test the spirits. I urge you, test the spirits. Don't be intimidated because this is something I've heard repeatedly, uh, an accusation that has been brought to me, and I'm sure you've found this as well down through the years. When you're confessing Christ has come in the flesh and, and wanting to be uh, true to the scriptures, you will be accused and, and repeatedly accused of quenching the spirit. It's a kind of a manipulative statement. Oh, you, you, you're just quenching the spirit. But that's a lie. It's a lie. As John clearly states, the reason you have to be that they've been able to overcome the deceivers, people who tested, people who resisted the temptation, what is it that John says about them? They've done so due to the work of the Holy Spirit in them. Verse 4, you, you, personal pronoun, this is still them that remain, you, dear children, are from God. You've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one is in the world. You haven't fallen for the lies of the devil. And so as we move on in this passage, and I'm, and I, and I'm wanting to get to this second way that we can be discerning and test the spirits, is there is the subjective work and indwelling work of the spirit. But as we, we move on, we see that there are, the, there, there are these others, this other category referred to as they. They are from the world and therefore speak the viewpoint of the world. Now, now pause there for a minute. They are those that left. They are those that have fallen for the error. They're the ones that are buying the lie. And where are they getting the information from? They are speaking the viewpoint of the world. They're simply imbibing the culture of the day. They're being influenced by the culture of the day. And notice what it says as well. Not only do they speak from the viewpoint of the world, but the world listens to them. Man, they gather lots of people uh, with them because they tell them what they want to hear because they're from the world and they're hearing a message which is of the world. But look at the passage. Brings us to the second way of how to recognize the work of God. When we get to verse 6 and the third pronoun, we are from God. Now again, the interpretation of Scripture is crucial. Who is being referred to as the we? Well, John is the one writing the letter. And who is John? Well, John is an apostle. And there are other apostles alongside of him. And so the we, we are from God, the ones that had given them the teaching they had received that come from the apostles. We, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. The apostles. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Man, that's a scary statement. That is a scary statement. 
a statement that needs to be broadcast across our Baptist Union. Why is it that so many people within a denomination, leaders, do not want to conform to all of Scripture? They don't want to listen to the apostles' teaching. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So John, you're speaking, repeating myself to we and they, two different categories. We the apostles and they the false teachers. You see, folks, the apostles writing the scriptures led by the Holy Spirit were conscious of their special teaching authority given to them by Jesus, enabled by the Holy Spirit in a particular season where the church was in formation, when the truth that Jesus taught, the truth that they witnessed was being inscripturated for the benefit of the generations that would follow after the apostles had passed on. The apostles are from God, and the true believers are from God. And, and there's an affinity between the apostles' teaching and the true believers. I, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled with, with so-called uh, men in the ministry who, who, who say that they love God, but, but, but they, they don't want to fight for the truth of His Word. No, there's an affinity. There's, there's a connection between God's Word and God's people. It simply means that those who are from God and those who are from the world may be distinguished by their response or their lack of response to the apostolic teaching. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And so, James, if you put that slide up, how do you recognize the Spirit of God? This is the second way. Is there submission to the apostles' teaching? Folk, I don't care what people come up with. If he does not conform, if he does not submit, if he does not align with the apostles' teaching, be gone. A difficult teaching. But the consequences are so serious. To lead people astray, to be led astray to a destiny of eternal destruction because of the lies of the devil, I will not be part of that. I'm sad to say, in the course of my own ministry, I've lost friends. Good friends, I thought, simply because of a desire to want to be committed to the apostles' teaching. You see, a passage like this is so important for us to see, dear friends. There are not three, four, five different options when it comes to true faith and being a child of God. There are only two ways, only two ways. There's a way of truth. And there's a way of error. It's the way of the incarnate Christ, or it's the way of Antichrist. I remember somebody who has remained a friend said to me, we were both speaking at a conference many years ago, it was at Treverton, 
and uh, he challenged me. He said to me, how much poison do you need to put in a glass of water to kill someone? It doesn't have to be 100% poison. Maybe just a half a teaspoon of poison in a glass of pure water and the person is dead. I've never forgotten that illustration. How much error are you going to tolerate before someone is led astray and away from the truth of the gospel and of following Christ? And so, folk, I do, I do ask, where do you stand on the incarnation? And I think most people in our circles certainly probably would stand uh, firmly and squarely in uh, harmony with the incarnation of Jesus. But the second question, are you willing to submit to the apostles' teaching? Perhaps I could change that question. Are you willing to submit to all of the apostles' teaching? Well, we are called to serve Christ and exalt him among the nations. And so that's what we need to do. That's what we must do for the sake of our own souls and for those that are entrusted to our care. Well, God bless you. I'm glad that God has not left us in the dark as I started. There is definitely given to us uh, a light unto our path and a lamp to our feet. And so, Lord, may we follow that which you have given. Keep us, Lord, from being proud, wanting to stand in a position instead of just being humble before you willing to submit to that which you have revealed. Help us, Lord, to be discerning at all times. Pray that people would test the spirits. And Lord, I pray that people would have courage to test what I say. Please help them even to point out to me error, if there is error that I'm teaching. Please, Lord, help us to be those who are those who speak the truth of that which you have revealed, that which you have said. And so we pray for each other for safety from the evil one, from false prophets. Keep us and preserve us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are some questions, uh, final screen. Uh, perhaps you could just take a, a shot with your camera. And I do trust that if uh, you are in a group, you are with some others, trust you have some good fellowship together uh, discussing and examining and testing the Spirit. So God bless you, and have a good rest of the week. Amen.